Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Bay Presbyterian Church. Whether you're here in person or whether you're joining us online today, glad to have all of you to be a part of our fellowship and worship as we come together on this Lord's Day. Just want to welcome you and uh, encourage you, if you have not before, to fill out one of our welcome cards and drop it in the offering plate in a little while so that we'll have a record of your attendance. But it's uh, good to see you. Uh, just a heads up to, uh, to our men to remind everyone that next Sunday is Mother's Day. <laughs> I don't know what you've planned. We, uh, we were talking to an individual this past week, and he was telling me about all of his plans that he had for next weekend and what he was going to do. And I said, uh, you remember it's Mother's Day, don't you? And there was a long pause. And he said, oh, no, I forgot. So just want to remind you as we look forward to, uh, to that. Also, ahead of us on May the 29th, Memorial Day, we are going to have a Memorial Day picnic. That will be on Monday, May 29th, and we're going to do that at 5 o'clock in the evening. So that's going to be an evening meal. We'll have a cookout here at the church. So we don't even have to give you directions. If you found your way here today, you'll know how to get here for that picnic. So that's on Memorial Day. Just want to uh, continue to encourage you and remind you that we do have Sunday school each week right there in the fellowship hall. They they closed the doors. I told them this morning when they were closing the doors, I said, you know, this is the court of the Gentiles back here. We have to keep you separate from the rest of us. But just kidding. Dr. Greg Poland holds forth there, and you will be blessed to be a part of that, and that's at 9 o'clock each Sunday. And then, of course, just reminding you, there is coffee and some refreshments. Don't go now, but uh, they're <laughs> outside that door right over there. Let's see, uh, other events, feel free to plug into things that you see listed there in your bulletin by way of announcement. Uh, this Thursday evening, uh, we'll have a third and last installment for the time being uh, in our series on Abraham. We'll be in Genesis chapter 15. And then the following Thursday, uh, Bob Reeder will begin a series on the Lord's Prayer. So that's at 6.30 on uh, each Thursday evening, and hope that you will want to be a part of that. You certainly are welcome to be. Well, I don't know what I'm overlooking, but nobody's waving frantically at me too much as if I've overlooked something of great importance. But we come together on this Lord's Day. As you see, the Lord's table is prepared. We look forward to celebrating that wonderful supper that he has given to us by which we proclaim his death until he comes. But on this Lord's Day, we remember not only that he died, but that he has been raised. And so, Christian, we together not only are in the presence of one another, we are in the presence of the ever-living, one true Savior of sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ. Raised by the Father from the grave, he is now seated in the heavenlies, and we have access under the throne of grace. Let us worship our great and gracious God. Thank you. 
Good morning, church family. Our responsive reading today is Hebrews 9, 10 through 12. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet open. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood. And eternal redemption is what we have. So let's stand to our feet, church, and proclaim how great is our God. Sing. 
be there. Well, this morning as we continue our worship, I'm going to offer an invocation followed by us corporately reciting the Apostles' Creed. And although not written by the Apostles, the Apostles' Creed was devised as a concise summary of their teachings. And believers have been citing this creed together since the second century. So a long line of believers to which we belong. Lord, we are here to worship and glorify you and to be present here with us. We thank you, Lord, that you are just even when we are unjust, that you are righteous even when we are unrighteous, that you are merciful even when we are unmerciful, that you love us even when we are unlovable and indeed sin against you. For you, O Lord, are our creator, our redeemer, and our king. And we are profoundly grateful for your mercy, even as we beg forgiveness for our sins. Lord, hear the prayer of your people as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're now going to recite the Apostles' Creed. It's both in your bulletin and on the board. Let's recite together then. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe Christ, his only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. is the reading of the word of God. Psalm 51, 1 through 19. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. 
Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. We will continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings if the ushers would come forward. Let us pray. Lord, we pause now in prayer to once again count our blessings given from your hand to us. Lord, we understand that all we have is a mercy provided by you to us, your people. Thank you, Lord, for giving us our daily bread and far, far more than we would ever dare ask for. In thankfulness and obedience, Lord, in this, our worship service, we present our tithes, our offerings, and our gifts to you. Multiply, we pray, these gifts for use in your kingdom, that they may be used to support those teaching and preaching your word far from home, that the hungry may be fed, the sick healed, and the homeless fed and clothed here in southwest Florida and around the world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray these things.
continue our love song to Jesus, and let's declare that we love him for his gift to us. My Jesus, I love thee. Would you stand here if you please?
you would take from your bulletin our prayer sheet. Scan down that, and I would... I left my glasses in my office. So you're going to have to navigate a lot of this yourself here, but I do want us to remember Jackie Leonard, who was in the hospital uh, earlier this week and uh, has been dealing with some respiratory issues. I want to pray for Chuck Simons, who went in the hospital. Chuck has some serious infections to work through. We want to pray for Jim Neal, uh, our friend, our dear friend Jim Neal, who uh, has been himself working through some infections and then some respiratory issues of his own. Uh, we want to remember Augie Doms, and um, you're going to have to get the rest yourself since I can't. I know there is a bulletin here. just can't read it. All right, let's take a few minutes now and pray silently, and then I'll conclude us. Let's pray together. Great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you today that we have an opportunity to come together as a community of believers given to the worship of the living God. How glad we are that we can communicate with a God who created the heavens and the earth and that you did not wind up this creation and fling it out in the universe to let it wind down on its own. We thank you that you're not a God who looks dispassionately on his creation, mourning the pathetic nature of this creation and, and how we've done um, a disservice to all that you are and all that you have given us. But we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, who not only redeemed, but is now restoring. God, we pray that uh, we, the church, would uh, work with him on this ministry of reconciliation that we have in this world around us, thanking you for that. God, we are weak and need your help. So we would, we would want to pray for, for the folks who are watching over our liberty, who are keeping us safe. We pray for the men and women who are in our armed forces and pray that you'd keep them safe and successful. We pray the same for local uh, EMTs and police. We pray for our doctors and nurses and researchers and teachers, the folks who take care of our young. God, we pray for them. We pray that, uh, that you would draw near to them, that even they would be aware of your presence with them. And God, we pray that you would so inflame the eternity that you would you have placed in all of our hearts so that our Lord Jesus might be glorified in their lives. We pray for those who are ill, thinking of Jackie and of Chuck and of Jim, Augie. God, all of these folks need your help in a very specific way, as do all these listed here on this page. And God, we pray that your healing hand might rest on them and that they would be aware of the great physician in their room. 
And God, thank you for the good ministries with which we're associated. We pray for them and pray for their success and prosperity. We thank you for the, particularly for the Cafe of Life, who received with great joy the donations that these wonderful folks here in front of me uh, contributed towards the, the health and welfare of people who don't have uh, enough. So God, thank you for that. We pray your blessing on the, the ministry of the Cafe of Life. And uh, God, we thank you for our pastor who brings your message today. Open our hearts, our minds, our ears, that we might see Jesus. We make our prayer in his name. Going to need that later. Thank all of you who brought items in for Cafe of Life. We had uh, two truck bed fulls of uh, beans and um, things to take over to uh, Cafe of Life. And then probably another, I don't know, eight or ten bags have come in since then. So thank all of you who participated in that. And, you know, anytime you bring anything, there have been people during my time here who occasionally would go to the grocery store and pick up a few extra items and drop them off and say they're for the Cafe of Life. If you bring them here, we'll make sure that they get over there. But uh, thank all of you for participating. And so we look today, taking a break from our <clears throat> walk through the Gospel according to Luke, to look at the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 26, beginning with verse 26. Next week, we'll be back in Luke, but as we come to the table of the Lord Jesus, I wanted us to consider a few things from this passage of Scripture as we celebrate the supper of our Lord. Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 26, hear the word of God. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. We'll ask the Lord to bless this reading of his word as we give him praise for it. Amen. I read years ago, and I don't remember now who the author was, about a Scotsman who purchased a place on an ocean liner. He uh, was going to travel across the Atlantic to the United States. And uh, having scraped together enough money to purchase his place on the ship, he was very conscious of not having much money left over. And so he took his own food with him so that he wouldn't have to purchase meals on the voyage. I think he got some crackers, some cheese, and some fruit. And that worked out pretty well for five or so days. He ate his scant meals as he uh, made his way over. But after about five days, the crackers got stale. The cheese was a little moldy, and the fruit had become mushy and a little bit, uh, well, just not all that good. And he thought, well, we're almost to New York. I'll splurge. I'll go up into the dining room, and I'll have a meal there. He went up, and he was amazed at all the food that was there. And as hungry as he was, it really appealed to him. But you can imagine 
what it was like for him to his consternation when he found out that the price of meals was included in the price of the ticket. The whole journey, he could have been eating like that, and he didn't know it. And I thought, how much like that the Christian life is when we consider that the Lord Jesus has purchased for us everlasting life. He has paid the entire penalty for our sin, and we have heaven as a home. We have been blessed in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You can't get any better than that. And the Lord's Supper is to us a real sign and seal of all that Christ has done for us. That means that it represents and confirms God's promise through Jesus Christ to be our God and for us to be his people. It is an opportunity for us not only to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, it is not only an opportunity for us to participate in that meal that he shared with his disciples so long ago, but it is an opportunity for us to to benefit that inasmuch as we come and partake of these elements, which are extremely simple, bread and fruit of the vine, juice from the grape, as we eat and as we drink these very simple elements, we benefit from doing it by faith. It becomes to us a means of grace to encourage us as we remember all that the Lord Jesus has done for us. And so he has given us this meal as a remembrance. He gathered with his disciples on that night so long ago because they were observing the Passover, a meal that God had given his people under the old covenant to remember their rescue from Egypt. Remember how they, after the plagues were had descended on that land, and even at that moment, the last plague, the plague of death, had come, and God commanded his people to kill a spotless lamb, to take blood and put it over the doorposts and lintels of their homes, and whoever did that would not experience death. The angel of death would pass over them. Those who lacked that blood on those doorposts and lintels would see the death of the firstborn in every home, and that happened. So it was to be commemorated that after that moment and after that particular night in perpetuity, God's people were to celebrate that supper that is the Passover. And so the Lord Jesus sat with his disciples on that evening and they observed as they partook of that meal, remembering how that in Exodus chapter 12, it says, this day shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast, and you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. God rescued them. They could not get themselves out of slavery. They could not free themselves. They couldn't extricate themselves from that awful dilemma that they were in. But God came to their rescue, having heard their cries. And through those awful plagues, even though Pharaoh continually hardened his heart, finally there came that moment when Pharaoh said, go. Take whatever you want and go. Now, we know that wasn't the end of the story. Fickle Pharaoh changed his mind once again and paid a horrible price for it. But nevertheless, God rescued his people. And so we, too, come to the table of the Lord Jesus, and we realize he has come to rescue us. We were in such a predicament that God had to come himself to do the operation. And he came in the person of his son, fully God, becoming fully man, becoming an atoning sacrifice on the cross so that we might be free. Why? Because of our sin. 
because of our rebellion against God, because of not only the sin of our parents who partook of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, but we've compounded that guilt with our own participation in it as we too have strayed, rebelled, and sinned. So Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Now in the account that we have in Matthew, it says simply, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He took it, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. He gave it to them. As they remembered in that moment the rescue from Egypt, Jesus was pointing them to the greater reality of a greater rescue, something that only he could accomplish. But in the simplicity of that moment, all of them were able to take the bread. It didn't matter at that point what their backgrounds were. There were fishermen in the lot. We remember that Levi or Matthew was a tax collector. All of them had come from different places, different areas of life. But suddenly there, as they were gathered around the table, the one thing that mattered is that Jesus was there. Have you ever thought about how that in each of the accounts that we have, primarily in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John alludes to it but doesn't give us many specifics about the supper itself, I think probably because he thought that had been covered well by the three other evangelists. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We read about the unleavened bread. We read about the fruit of the vine what we don't see mentioned is the Passover lamb the lamb that was commanded to be slain that God had said in Exodus should be slain and had been done ever since now it's not to say that the lamb was absent or that they failed to eat of it as had been directed in the Exodus but it seems to me that the evangelists including the apostle Paul in the mix are pointing our attention to the Lord Jesus himself, who is our Passover lamb. Rather than seeing that which has been taken from livestock, we are pointed to Christ himself, who is our atoning sacrifice. And so suddenly, this becomes much more than a memorial. This itself becomes a means of grace. Not only is it a memorial, as we remember what the Lord Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago, but in the present, it's a celebration now a celebration of reunion and communion. Think back in Genesis chapter 3, how that the serpent entered into the garden, that perfect experience of Adam and Eve in that blessed place, having been created in God's image. They were there enjoying full communion and fellowship with the Lord, having been commanded one thing, not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Satan slithered his way into that experience and tempted them. You shall be as God. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Do you see the wording? They took and ate. Plunging themselves, all of their posterity, and the whole world into a state of sin and fallenness. You know, sometimes I'm traveling Tammy Hammy trail out here. 
I love saying that because when I first came here, I saw that name on a sign, and I had no clue how to say it. I think Mike Collins was the one who told us, oh, this is Tamiami Trail, and I, thought, and I said something like, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> no idea. Like Archie Campbell said on Hee Haw a long time ago, sometimes I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. And I'm traveling up and down this uh, stretch of highway, which tends to be very busy sometimes. And, you know, sometimes uh, down here in Florida, you, you don't give quite the lead distance that happens in other places when you merge over into a lane in front of the person behind you. And sometimes I get frustrated by that, or I'm sitting in a traffic light, you know, and I'll watch it uh, turn. I was in North Carolina, our last trip up there, and light turned yellow, and I stopped. And as I was sitting there and watched it turn red, I thought, you know, down in Florida, about six more cars would have gone through while this thing was changing. <laughs> but I watch all the things that happen. Of course, there are wrecks. And what are we dealing with with things like that? What are we dealing with when, when our dear, beloved friend Chuck Simons is in the hospital struggling with an infection, or Jim Neal with a respiratory infection or some of you have told me things about that you have coming up this week that you're dealing with what what is all of this we're living in the middle of the fall that's what it all is we're finding ourselves in the middle of this frustration and futility that of the world that has been plunged into this this curse this living in a world that is facing and dealing with the consequences of rebellion another shooting in Allen, Texas yesterday. We've got family living in Texas, so when I see that name in a news headline, it garners my attention, and at least nine people dead as a result of a shooting. Why? I'm sure there are a lot more complex and complicated reasons, but families are grieving today and having to deal with the unspeakable loss and murder because we're living in this fallenness, a creation that is determined to go its own way rather than seek the Lord and follow him, and, and here we are. And so Jesus, on that night, took bread and he broke it. What did he say? Take, eat. In the garden, it was a matter of taking and eating so that we could go our own way and do our own thing, but here in this moment, the Lord Jesus says, Take and eat so that there might be a recommunion. What had been lost in the garden has been regained in the person of Christ. And we're not there yet. But we're looking forward to the day when the benefits of his atoning work will be realized in full. And there'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more shootings. There'll be no more frustrations. Traffic jams. All the things that we have to deal with as a result of the fall. Jesus says, take and eat. Don't you see what an opportunity this is to celebrate? How that taking and eating once upon a time caused all the problems that we now are facing. And yet in that same way, the Lord Jesus says, because it's him offering it to us, not we ourselves taking it of our own autonomy, but Christ saying, take and eat. This is my body. A sacrifice that would be offered within hours of the time that he gave to his disciples, a sacrifice of his own body on the tree, the shedding of his own blood on that tree, 
symbolized in those simple elements. And now we take and we eat and we drink. And it's a re-communion. Christ has accomplished so much. The world is in this awful place because of the awfulness of sin and rebellion and can only be restored at the inestimable price of the sacrifice of the Son of God himself. This is my body. This is my blood of the covenant. The Israelites, having escaped Egypt, found themselves at the foot of Mount Sinai. The law would be given there, but also a covenant would be established there, and an altar would be erected, a sacrifice would be offered, and the covenant would be sealed in blood. Our covenant is sealed by the blood of Christ. So that you see, we come to the table of the Lord Jesus, and we're only talking about bread and a cup, those things which represent a sacrifice so effectual that it only needed to be offered once. We don't attempt to reproduce it because we can't. Christ, having offered himself once and for all, is now seated at the right hand of the Father because the work is done. And so we commemorate, we celebrate what's accomplished. We're not adding anything to it. We couldn't. How could we possibly? He's done it all. And this meal as Jesus gave to his disciples, and which we continue to observe, is a means of grace, and it anticipates glory. A means of grace, how? Does it save us? Oh, no. No, eating and drinking can't save you. Salvation is by faith in Christ alone. We must repent of our sins and trust in him and exercise faith by surrendering to him and receiving him, acknowledging him to be Lord and Savior. But this supper, inasmuch as we have done that, encourages us and strengthens us as it reminds us of the glorious sacrifice that he has made on our behalf. And yes, we believe he's really present in the supper, not because we believe the elements are miraculously transformed into anything other than their substance as they now are, but by means of the Holy Spirit, he is present with us. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I will be present in the midst, he said. Or as I think I've shared with you before, one has paraphrased that to say, if more than two of you ever get together on anything, I'll show up and see it for myself. <laughs> We're strengthened. Maybe you've come today and you're like me sometimes. You know, I watch the news or I'll read a headline and I wonder when I, I see some skeptic again railing against Christ and Christianity. Like I saw a school board member out in Arizona railing against people who believe in the morals of Jesus, those terrible, awful people who are seeking to destroy our country. And I thought, wow, that's what she thinks of us. You know, I wonder, well, maybe ours is just another faith system among all the others. What makes it so special? And the Lord graciously reminds me by way of his Holy Spirit, oh, no, oh, no, son, there is no one like Jesus. There is none other who has the words of life. There is none who has gone to the cross and died such a death for your sake. There is no one. Listen, when we were reciting the Apostles' Creed, I know there's a lot of discussion over what it means. But when we get to that phrase, he descended into hell. I can hardly say it without tears coming into my eyes when I consider that that's exactly what Christ endured for my sake. 
when he cried out on that cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Whatever else it means, in that moment the Lord Christ was enduring the wrath of God. Not what he deserved, but what I, what you, what we all deserve. He took it upon himself. And when we say that in the creed and we otherwise consider it, how can we without being moved with great compassion? And no one else has done that. No one else has gone to such lengths to secure our eternal salvation. So yes, when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. Surely it's true. There can be no one else through whom we might be reconciled to heaven. And so in those moments of doubt even, we come to the table and by partaking of these elements, we are encouraged and strengthened in our faith and doubts are assuaged as we remember what Jesus has done for us. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So it's not only remembering what he's done, it anticipates what we shall experience the benefits of salvation. Sitting at a table that has been prepared for us in glory where Jesus himself will welcome all who are his. But on that night, he drank with his disciples as he pointed them beyond the moment to something far more glorious. Luke says in chapter 12, verse 37, recording the parable that Jesus has just told them and in summation Jesus says blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes truly I say to you he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them is there anything any more extraordinary in our minds that we possibly could begin to comprehend than that the king of kings and lord of lords would prepare himself to serve us at the table. Now, I know the world's attention was captivated yesterday. That something happened in London. I'm not exactly sure what it was. There was a lot of perp and pomp and circumstance. And I saw somebody wearing white fur with this big thing on his head. Forgive me for not being all that excited about it. I'm Presbyterian through and through. I remember how our forefathers fought a war so that we wouldn't have to acknowledge any sovereign but God or any king but Jesus. Thank you for letting me vent. <laughs> but it's true. Our king is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know we have our civil governments and people who want to think much of themselves, whether they ride around in limousines or carriages with white horses but Jesus who is the one king who has all rule and authority who has all power and might stretched out his hands and allowed nails to be driven through them he gave himself allowing a crown of thorns to be crushed down upon his head he gave himself for us and having accomplished for us eternal salvation, there is coming a day when we will gather at the table and he will serve us.
And this meal is a reminder to us that he took bread and broke it, having given thanks. He gave it to his disciples. He served them in that moment. He gave them the cup. He served them. How is that even possible? Of all people in this world, I think of myself as being the most unworthy. And yet the Lord Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now I can tell you I've only scratched the surface in consideration of what this supper means. But it means at least that much. So much more, but at least that much. And so we partake in gratitude, giving thanks to Jesus for all that he's done. So we don't apologize. Here in this moment, we're going to simply sit. The elements are going to be passed. There's not going to be anything or anybody trying to entertain you, to try to captivate your attention. For in these moments, we will meditate upon the Lord Jesus and what he has done for us and on the fact that we one day will be with him in that great marriage supper, that feast that we cannot begin to comprehend. In these moments... We will think about something that cannot be produced by special effects or be brought to us by news broadcasters. We will think of Christ, his sacrifice for us, and the necessity of it. How can we deny that there must be some way to balance the books? How many murders? How many wars? How many consequences of sin? What could make up for all of that? Surely nothing less than the sacrifice of the Son of God himself. And so, this is the table of our Lord Jesus. This is an act of worship as we remember him, as we experience him, as we trust in him. As we say to the world by partaking of these elements, we are proclaiming to you and all of heaven the Lord's death until he comes because he is our one true hope. But oh, what a hope he is and is for all who trust him. We join in communion not only with ourselves, but the church universal. Because though this act takes place in different formats, different ways of doing it, yet at the center and at the heart, it's still the same activity, bread and the fruit of the vine in communion with all who believe and with the Lord Jesus himself. Bless his name. Let's pray. Father in heaven, there's nothing that we can add. There are no words that can be spoken that would add to the beauty of the achievements of the Lord Jesus in life and in death and in his resurrection. It is simply for us to say, Thank you, O oh God, for loving us so extraordinarily well and for achieving what we could not for ourselves. Thank you for this great salvation in the Lord Christ. And as we come to this table, bless, O oh Father, that we may partake as those who believe, who trust in Christ alone. For we make our prayer in his name.
And so I simply want to point out to you that this is the Lord's table. I know we say it each time, but it is something that I want to emphasize to you. That this is the table of the Lord Jesus. It's not a Presbyterian table. And so you don't have to be a member of this church in order to participate. If you have professed faith in the Lord Jesus, having acknowledged your sins and your need of a Savior, and you've done that openly in some way before a body of believers like this one, having been received and acknowledged, you are welcome here to partake of this table. In just a moment, the elders are going to come. They will take these trays, which contain uh, the bread, and then later the cup, and they'll pass them. And you're free to take if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus. If you're not, I plead with you. There's no time like the present to trust in Christ, acknowledging sin and knowing and believing that he's the Savior of sinners, so that next time we come together like this, you just might be the happiest one in the band. I plead with you to trust in the Lord Jesus. I also want to encourage you, even as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, to come acknowledging sin and guilt. Paul had to warn the Corinthians about coming in an unworthy manner. They came together and partook of the elements as if it was just another celebration. Oh yeah, eating and drinking. We must come to this table discerning the Lord's body doesn't mean you show up here perfect. That's not possible. We're not in heaven yet. But it does mean that we come humbly and we acknowledge the need of our Savior. That we're not trying to manage our sin. We're not trying to live in sin in some way as if we can have our feet in both camps, but we come in repentance and full acknowledgement of our need of the cleansing of the blood of Christ. So come in that way trying to manage some sin, if you're trying to live in some way that you know is in rebellion against God, what should you do right now? Repent. Confess it to the Lord. Turn from it. And partake of these elements with us. But what a joy it is. There has been no greater sacrifice ever offered. There will never be We're not re-sacrificing him in this moment. We're acknowledging that one that is sufficient. There is nothing else that needs to be done. And so as the elements are passed, you may take them. Just simply ask that you hold them until everyone is served. First the bread and then later the cup. Hold them until everyone is served and then we will partake together. As we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, O Lord, for this bread and for the cup. We thank you for all that they mean. And we ask you, O Lord, to grant us grace that the partaking of this supper by faith will be a means of grace to each of us who participate. As we discern the body of the Lord Jesus, as we acknowledge his one sacrifice that is sufficient in the blood by which we may be cleansed of every sin. Oh, Father, the sacrifice of Christ is death to him, but it is life to us, and so we thank you, and we ask your blessing on this meal, that as we partake of these elements, that you will bless these ordinary things, that they might be an extraordinary blessing to us as we think of Jesus and all that he's done, for it's in his name we pray.
I'll ask the elders now to come. Remembering that on that night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus gave thanks as we have just done. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body.
is a solemn moment, but please, if ever you haven't been served, surely sometime the tray can run out and you can get hungry. So let us know as we all partake together. So as we again pass the trays, ask that you would take and hold it, meditating on our Lord Jesus and his atoning sacrifice on our behalf. On the night of his betrayal, our Lord Jesus Christ took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat of my body, Think of my blood, you shall force my death until I return. Again, please hold the elements so that we can partake together.
blood of the new covenant. Drink all of you up. The Bible says when they had sung a hymn, they departed. Would you stand with me as we conclude? We will glorify you. up your heads, O church, and may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up unto you his countenance and give you his peace, both now and forevermore. <laughs>